Hello everyone, I'm Jerry Savelle. Thank you for joining me today. It's an honor and a pleasure to be able to bring the Word of God to you each and every week. And I want you to know how much we appreciate all of you that are responding and letting us know how much you're enjoying the broadcast. Today we're going to be talking about relentless faith. I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15 from the Message Translation. It says, Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. That's the key to winning in life. Stick it out. Go find out what the Word of God says and then dare to believe it and stand on it and refuse to let go. Become relentless and God will do the same thing for you that He did for Abraham. He'll give you everything that He's promised you. I'm going to take you into the service here at our church, Heritage of Faith Christian Center, where I was teaching on this subject and I want to encourage you, listen Watch very closely because this message has the potential of changing your life. Mark chapter 4. This is the first sermon I heard Kenneth Copeland preach in 1969. Or I might say the first uh, scriptures I heard him refer to back in 1969 when I had just surrendered my life to the Lord. And I remember him introducing this parable beginning in verse 14 as the granddaddy of all parables. He went on to say that if you don't understand this parable, then it's not likely that you'll ever understand any of them. This is the foundation because it says in verse 14, obviously Jesus is teaching here, the sower soweth the word. Now I'm a sower. Pastor Justin is a sower. That's our job. That's what we do. We sow the word. And I've been privileged to sow the word of God personally into 48 different nations and to hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. I'm a sower. That's what I do. It's what I do, man. It's what I do. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and uh, I love seeing lives changed by the word that is sown in their hearts. Now that's what happened to me back in 1969. I knew nothing about the word of God. As Brother Copeland would say, and he said in that sermon, I was scripturally illiterate, referring to himself, but I was the same way. I think I knew John 3.16. I'd heard that from a little boy. But as far as any depth in the word, I had none. Any revelation knowledge, I had none. I'd never even heard uh, any teaching on covenant or the blessing of God and certainly not the favor of God. I'd never heard anybody talk about that. And uh, the word became the most important thing in my life and it still is to this day, 52 years later. I couldn't get enough of it. And at that time, I owned an automotive business and the Lord instructed me to shut that business down and go to my guest bedroom. And he said, give me the same dedication to my word that you gave to that business. Now, I, I grew up with a good work ethic. My daddy taught me how to work. And I loved what I did. I loved the challenge of working on automobiles. I, I repaired wrecked cars. I restored classic automobiles. Dad and I built hot rods and race cars. And I loved what I did. And uh, as far as I was concerned, I was going to do that for the rest of my life. But at the same time, I knew 
that in 1957 I'd heard the call of God. And since that was not what I wanted to do, then I ignored it and hoped that God would ignore it too. But he certainly didn't because the callings of God are without repentance. And uh, finally, I couldn't run anymore. In 1969, I heard the message of faith. And when I heard it, I knew that it was truth. I, I knew that, that this was something that I needed to lay hold upon and to build my life upon. And so I shut my business down and I went into our guest bedroom and I spent no less than eight hours a day studying the Word of God. And many of those days turned into 12, 14, 16, 18 hours a day. And I did that for three months. And when I came out of that bedroom, and I'm not saying I never came out during that three months, I, I did, but when I came out from that, that time of, of studying and personal time with the Lord, I came out of there with a revelation. I knew who I was in Christ. I knew what belonged to me in Christ. I knew what I could do in Christ. And it, it changed my life. And then God began to open doors for me to share those things. And it started in the streets of my city. That's, that, I didn't start preaching in a church. I started in the streets of Shreveport, Louisiana. And then that went from street ministry to jail ministry to prison ministry. And, and then back in those days, they had uh, home Bible studies. People would open up their homes. They'd move all their furniture against the wall and put chairs in a circle and, uh, and they'd invite a teacher to come and uh, teach the word for an hour or two. And we had those little Bible studies going on all over Shreveport and some of the surrounding areas. I'd go as far as Texacana and, uh, and, and do these home Bible studies. And it was giving me an opportunity to develop and cultivate my teaching gift I was already a street evangelist, but now I'm being able to teach and uh, sharing those revelations that I had received by studying Kenneth Copeland's material and Kenneth Hagin, Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, and then things that God had taught me on my own that I'd never heard any of them teach. And it, and it uh, uh, became such an exciting thing when I'd have the opportunity to teach. I loved teaching. I loved seeing lives change just like the Word had changed my life. I still love that today. It's one of my favorite things to do is teach. Amen. And so this parable became very important to me because it says, the sower soweth the Word. And once again, I'm a sower and I'm sowing into you this morning. Pastor Justin sowed into their early service this morning. And the beautiful thing is, because of the resources we have available and, and social media and so forth, it, it doesn't stop with just this group right here. Right. It's going all over the world. Amen. Praise God. So we're, we're being able to sow into lives all over the world. You know, we get uh, communication from other nations, people in other nations. I, I, I watched you uh, last Sunday and so forth and talking about what the message did for them and, and those kind of things. And um, if you keep reading this parable, which I encourage you to do so, I'm not going to take the time to read it all today. But it talks about that once the word is sown, Satan cometh immediately 
to steal that word. Notice he doesn't even wait till tomorrow. He comes immediately. Everybody say immediately. I always like to add, if not sooner. He comes immediately to steal that word. Now, why is it so important to him to steal the word? Because he knows that's where the power is. The apostle Paul said in the book of Romans that I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. In other words, there's power in the word. And Satan realizes that if he does not steal that word from you, then it's not likely that he'll succeed in robbing you of what belongs to you through what Jesus did at Calvary. So it is to his advantage to come immediately and attempt to steal it. Why? Because many times in coming immediately, it hasn't had the opportunity to take root yet. Now, you know, once something takes root, it's harder to get out. Amen? Amen. Carolyn used to want me to help her root out grass and weeds in her flower beds. I always thought of something else I had to do. I, I got to be somewhere, sweetheart. It's time for me to leave. But she'd go out there with little bitty tools about this big, little shovels, and just dig and dig and dig and, and dig and dig all day to get these roots out. I wanted to get the lawnmower and just mow the whole thing down. You know? but, and then go on and do something important. You know? But... but she wanted to dig those roots out. And, uh, and it's not easy sometimes to dig out something when it has taken root. Now, God wants his word to take root in you. So it is so deep on the inside of you, there's no possibility of Satan stealing it. Amen? So that's the reason it is to his advantage to come immediately because he's hoping that it hasn't taken root yet. And, uh, and it says, and he will take away the word that was sown. Now, the Amplified says, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message. He comes at once and by force takes away the message. Now, the message translation says, no sooner do they hear the word than Satan snatches away what God had planted in them. So you can see how important it is for the devil to come immediately. I mean, almost before you can get in your car and leave here this afternoon or after you get in your car and on your way home, you know, or sometime after lunch, he will attempt to steal it and hoping that by this time next Sunday, you will have forgotten what you heard the Sunday before. And if you've forgotten it, then it's not likely that you're applying it. Okay? Because the Bible says we are to be doers of the word. Not hearers only, but doers of the word. The word snatch means to grasp hastily and to take away or to extract. Extract. That's a word that often is associated with pulling teeth. <laughs> you know, by force. Ever, anybody ever had any teeth pulled? Aren't you glad they deaden it first? <laughs> they take it by force, you know. So 
snatch, once again, means to grasp hastily, to take away or to extract. Satan wants to extract the word out of your life. He really doesn't care if you live or die. He don't care. It's while you're alive with the word deeply rooted in your heart that concerns him. Because that's when you're dangerous. That's when you have the ability to stop his operations in your life and in the lives of others. So, you know, if you, if you died today and went to heaven, he could care less. If you died today and went to hell, he could care less. It's why you're still alive with the word of God in your heart that really concerns him. Amen? Why? Because with God's word in your heart, you're dangerous to his kingdom. Can you say amen? amen? So once again, the word extract implies to remove by force. That's why the apostle Paul tells us that we must fight the good fight of faith. Paul also tells us that we must wage a good warfare. And Paul tells us also that having done all to stand, stand therefore. So it sounds like to me from this great man in whom probably two-thirds of the New Testament was given. You know, the revelation of, of, of how to be a New Testament believer. It looks like to me that this man is saying, we got a fight on our hands. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> we have a fight on our hands. This doesn't come easy. You know, if, if the word of God being fulfilled in your life came easy, without a fight, then every Christian would be winning in life. But not every Christian is winning in life. Not every Christian is living a victorious life. And one of the reasons why is because not every Christian is willing to fight the good fight of faith. They're not willing to wage a good warfare and they're not willing to, having done all to stand, stand. Now, if there was any other way to live a winning lifestyle, to live a victorious lifestyle, I think I would have found out in 52 years. And if there was any other way other than having done all to stand, stand, fight the good fight of faith, wage a good warfare, then that's what I'd be preaching to you. But I don't know any other way. And this way worketh. So I'm just going to keep on living this way, praise God. I'm not afraid of a fight. My daddy taught me, now you understand, I haven't always been the big hunk of man I am today, but uh, <laughs> I was always little growing up. And, and the bullies always picked on the little guy to prove how big they were. Sometimes I'd come home crying from school because the bully was picking on me. And my dad boxed in the, in the Navy in World War II and he would not have that. Now I'm not saying this is the way you should raise a child, but this is the way my daddy raised me. He sat me down one day and said, son, if I ever catch you starting a fight, I'm going to whip you. Well, I knew there wasn't any possibility of that. I don't start fights. I was too little. He said, but if you ever run from a fight, I'm going to whip you. I thought, oh, I'm in trouble now because I'd run from them because they's all bigger than me. The girls were bigger than me. <laughs> we, had a, we had a girl that lived next door to us. I don't know where that girl is today. 
Remember Carol Morris? That was a mean girl. And she was my age and she could whip every boy on our street. And since she lived next door to me, she picked on me. One day I said, one day when I grow up, I'm going to whip you. <laughs> me and Kenny Henner both told her, we're going to whip you, girl. You know? And, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame when you have to run from the girls. <laughs> that ain't right. <laughs> there was one girl in my class in the sixth grade at Summer Grove Elementary School. That girl was bigger than the teacher. Her name was Donna Han. I'll never forget Donna. She stood this much taller than me. And she would reach down to me and pick me up and call me Little Jerry. Come on up here, Little Jerry. Give me a hug. And my feet just be dangling, you know. And I say, Donna, put me down or I'm going to slap you. But I couldn't reach her. I saw they sent me a, a book here not too long ago about all the graduates, you know, that I graduated with and what they were doing, all of them they could locate. And when I got to Donna's name, it said deceased. Now, yeah, I just, it just brought tears to my eyes, remembering how she would pick me up in front of the whole class. We were in a play one time in the sixth grade and I was playing the lead part and she was playing the lead part of the girls. And at the end of the play, she picked me up and kissed me in front of the whole the whole uh, uh, family that came embarrassed me to no end, you know? So, so when, you're, when you're little, you know, you have to learn to fight. Amen. You have to learn to fight. Now, I didn't go looking for a fight, but I got to a place where I wouldn't run from them either because I knew... If this guy don't whip me when I get home, daddy will. As he said, son, if you ever run from one, I'm going to whip you. Well, I quit running from him, <laughs> and he taught me how to box. And so I loved boxing and still do to this day. I like boxing. Now, you don't understand. I like boxing. <laughs> and so uh, growing up, you know, you'd have to fight from time to time. And usually... Everybody I fought was bigger than me. Amen. It's a good thing Jesse, DePlantis, and I didn't know each other when we were little. We would have killed each other. Because he was the same way. His, his grandpa taught him not to run from a fight, you know. And so I'm not afraid of a fight. It's part of the life of faith. Now, our fight is not with flesh and blood. Thank God I don't have to fight people anymore. It's with principalities, powers, and so forth. It, we're, we're fighting the, the, the adversary and his regime, so to speak. But notice here, Paul is telling us that we must wage a good warfare, that we must fight the good fight of faith, and that having done all to stand, we must stand. Now, the bottom line to all that is you must become relentless. Look at your neighbor and say, relentless. If you want God's best in your life. Now, our prophetic word this year, as you well know, is that God wants us to experience abundant overflow. 
Everybody say abundant overflow. And then short time later after he gave that to me, he said, and I want you to tell them also that it will be a year of an unprecedented outpouring of my goodness. An unprecedented outpouring of my goodness. Now, I sowed that into you. And I'm doing it once again this morning. I sowed that into you. Now, do you think for one moment the devil's just going to roll over and play dead and let all that happen? No. What does Jesus say? What did he say? He comes immediately to steal it, to snatch it away. If you're going to experience abundant overflow and an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God, then you're going to have to fight for it. It doesn't happen automatically. Can you say amen? Everybody still with me? Yes. Say it once again. An unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God, an abundant overflow of the blessings of God is God's best for my life. I lay hold upon it. I'm willing to fight for it. I'm relentless. Lift your hands and thank God. Amen. Hallelujah. So once again, Satan will attempt to steal this word. In fact, he probably already has attempted to do so from the first time you heard it. And I first started preaching this in October of last year. So I'm quite sure that he's already attempted to steal it. And for some, he may have already been successful. But it's not too late. You can lay hold upon it again and make a a new and fresh commitment. From this moment forward, I will be relentless. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And let's begin in verse 11. And we desire that every one of you Look at your neighbor and say, this includes you. (laughs) Do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That every one of you will demonstrate diligence to the very end. In other words, no room for compromise. No room for wavering. No room for giving up that you be not slothful or lazy. This is what happens to a lot of Christians. They get lazy. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Notice people with faith and patience, people who demonstrate an unwavering faith and patience, what happens to them? They inherit the promises. So just because some Christians never experience the fulfillment of the promises, on the other hand, there are many who do. And the Bible says, follow those who are inheriting the promises. Follow their example. Don't, don't, don't follow the example of those who gave up and quit under pressure. And then it goes on to say, for when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, surely, Blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. Look at 15. 
And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After, everybody say after. After After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, Paul tells us in Romans chapter four that Abraham is the father of faith and that we are to follow the example of our father in the faith. Hello, I'm Brother Jerry, and I have some exciting news for you. The Jerry Savelle Bible School is now ready. You can enroll. Each course is online, and we're excited about this school without walls. You know, the great thing about it is you don't have to come to Fort Worth, Texas and enroll and be in classroom. You can take each course at your own pace, at your own time. As you enroll and begin to take these courses, you're going to receive in-depth teaching from God's Word. It's going to help build a foundation for living by faith and learning how to receive everything that God has for you. I'd like for you to prayerfully consider enrolling in this Bible school. I believe it will be very beneficial for you, and I look forward to having the opportunity to impart into your life. Thank you, and God bless you. Regardless of what life throws at you, your faith can remain unmoved. You can outlast and overcome every challenge. Today's special offer, the Relentless Faith Package, contains Jerry Savelle's four-part CD series, More Than Enough, his inspiring book, Living in the Fullness of the Blessing, and his eye-opening book, The Established Heart. In this package, Jerry teaches how to be unshaken by turmoil and pressure, how to trust God during times of testing, why God's blessing is so important, and what you must do to walk in God's blessing. You will never gain God's best by being a quitter. You have to learn how to become relentless and fight for the promises of God. Don't delay. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request your copy of the Relentless Faith Special Package. You can push back against discouragement and develop a bold faith that refuses to accept less than God's best. Once again, thank you for joining me today. I want to encourage you to join me again next week as we continue on this subject, Relentless Faith. You can develop a faith that becomes unwavering, relentless, and you have the assurance that God will see to it that you receive everything that's been promised to you. Let me remind you of our special offer this week, my very first book. I've written, I think, over 80 books, but this was the very first one, The Established Heart, how you can become established in God's Word and become immovable. And then living in the fullness of the blessing. God wants you blessed. He wants His blessings coming on you and overtaking you every day of your life. And then this three CDs, or four CD rather, series entitled More Than Enough. That's God's best for your life. Not just enough, not barely get by, but more than enough. These uh, products are available to you. All you have to do is contact our office. The information is on your screen right now. So please place your order right away so that we can get them to you in the mail. And I know once you receive them, you're going to be blessed by them. Join me again next week. And until then, remember, 
Your faith will overcome the world.